The 100% Wild Podcast is brought to you by Onyx Hunt, the nation's number one GPS hunting app. Download today in the Google Play and App Store. Hey everyone, welcome back to another edition of the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast. I'm Tim Chelswick. I'm Matt Drury. Together, we form the Voltron that is known as... The weakest link in our company. <laughs> <laughs> but you killed. I did. So and you, you so came you're no to longer, full draw, so yeah, very hey, close. you're getting closer. <laughs> you know, one of my neighbors um, showed me a picture of Tacticam footage of his, of his hunt. He killed a 150. And he was showing me the footage. And I was like, yeah, cool buck, cool kill. He's like, you know what? It's hard to film a kill. Yeah, yeah to say the <laughs> least. I was like, yeah, you're yeah. telling me. But hey, a lot more people are doing it though with cameras like those tact cams or so much whatever, easier GoPro than, verb. than it used to be. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, yeah. But, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk about all that stuff a little bit later. Yeah, Maybe I'm pretty got. excited about today's guest. These guys, I was first made aware of them when Moss Yoke started airing. It may be Nomad first, and then Moss Yoke started airing their stuff over on the Moss Yoke Go app. And they are killing some absolute giants. And I, I'm not lying, like they're giant they're deer no matter where you live. Deer, 100%. Yeah. The guys from Seek One are joining us, Drew Carroll and Lee Ellis. What's hey, up, boys? guys? What's going on? Appreciate you having us. Yeah, man. So you guys have a pretty interesting story. And 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 maybe real quick, give us a brief um, history of how you did get hooked up with the guys in Nomad and Moss Yoke. And, and I, you know, that's where I first was made aware of, you know, we started seeing these guys holding these giant deer and, and uh, succeeding in the sub or really you're in the city limits, right? Is that the case? Well, it's, it's not technically the city limits of Atlanta. There's a bunch of different cities kind of in the suburbs of Atlanta. So okay. it's within the sprawling suburbs of Atlanta. I would say incredible. from the dead heart of Atlanta, within an hour of any direction, north, south, east, or west, okay. from the hour from the center of Atlanta. All right. So give us a little bit of the backstory here. Jeez. So it's the Charlie story when we met. Uh, you want to, well, do y'all want to know like how we even got into it? Like suburban hunting period or. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or do y'all brief synopsis and then kind of tell us where you first, where you first hit it big or, or, you know, your, your biggest deer that kind of put you guys on the map. Okay. I mean, we can start from high school, I guess. Yeah. So I, I did not hunt at all. And that's why I'm particularly thankful for suburban hunting because like I didn't grow up with a family farm or, you know, my, my parents don't, don't hunt. Like I didn't have a place. I didn't, didn't hunt at all until I was 16. Mm -hmm. And Drew's family has a farm in like East Georgia. And, you know, we'd go over there every now and then he hunted there like crazy. Like he grew up hunting. Um, I'd go with him every now and then. And then we went to the same high school together and it was like, you know, we'd be driving home and see does every now and then or whatever. And it was Drew was fishing a pond uh, in Atlanta and, and like, we were both fishing and he was like, dude, these trees are like torn up with rubs. I was like, what's a rub. <laughs> and it was like, you know, when he started pointing all this stuff out to me, I was, I was like, is that a big rub? Like, you know, what's, what's kind of going on with that. But like below this pond was just like obliterated with rubs. And so Drew was like, no, you don't understand. Like, this is, this is like, this is, this is a big buck. Like this, this isn't like, I don't see this at my farm. Yeah. And so it was like, we started getting curious and I don't even know if we had trail cameras at the time. No, this was back in like 2006, I think when yeah. we first kind of stumbled upon this area. And we, I mean, we didn't have cameras until probably two or three years later. Yeah. And then, so we kind of like started researching, like, you know, can you even hunt in Atlanta? Is this possible? Mm -hmm. Um, we contacted a couple of guys that, 
you know, have been suburban hunting before us and kind of realize it's something that's, that is, you can do, it's capable of doing. And so, uh, Drew went and knocked on, I mean, we didn't have any of the, like the Onyx maps or any of this, this tax map type stuff technology. It was just like, we don't even know who owns what lots until we pretty much knocked on the door and found out like what they own. And so Drew went and knocked on the door that owned the property that we were like backing up to fishing this little pond. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was what you were, were you, were you 15 years old? I think I was, I was 15 because I remember my, my mom would have to drive me and drop me off nice. when I opened the door. <laughs> so I, I probably had my learner's permit or something, but it took, I mean, it took multiple years yeah. of knocking on that, that door to get permission there. Cause she saw this, you know, kid that walked up, I'd only been hunting for a couple of years at a time, hadn't really even bow hunted. Mm-hmm. And I, I probably looked like I didn't know what I was doing. Probably sounded like I didn't know what I was doing. And so like the first time I talked to her, she was like, Oh, like that's interesting. Yeah. We see deer all the time. Let me, let me talk to the neighborhood and make sure it's, you know, it's legal or, or that the HOA allows it. So I didn't, she was like, I'll call you back. Didn't hear from her for a year. Went back the next year and like had to talk to her two more times. And finally she was like, all right, stop coming to my house. Just, yeah, you can hunt back there. Just stop bothering me. No way. <laughs> So that was like our first spot. Yeah. And it was like a main creek arm that came off of the river. Chattahoochee River runs through Atlanta and it's like it just it's crazy habitat for these deer. But it was like a main creek arm that ran off the river. And then it was just like a big floodplain bottom. It was probably like eight acres of like thick privet. Um, and so like we started hunting this area and at first without trail cameras and we were seeing like crazy bucks running around. Actually, a pretty cool story is. The first year we were hunting this place, we didn't have cameras. Um, and like we saw a huge buck sign. Like I remember I saw a huge buck run through brush and I didn't like see what it was. I just knew it was huge. And the current state record who was killed by one of one of our guys on Seek One, his name's Jay, was killed like 500 yards as the crow flies. It's like a 230-inch deer. Uh the basically the same year we started hunting this block of wood. So we were on like pretty much on the the state record, 230 inch buck without even having a clue that he was there. So I mean, I, I don't know how it, I couldn't have imagined how that would have went down if like the first deer we ever killed in Atlanta yes. was a 230. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, this place was like loaded with deer, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, we had so many mature like 150 type deer, five like five years and older in this area, and it was just like such a main corridor for so many deer to come through sure. that we had a field day in there for like probably four or five years. Yeah. Pretty much our entire high school was a field day. How big nice. was that tract? Eight acres. Yeah. Where we had permission, it was eight acres. And then there's like in that, in that one little corridor, there's probably 15 acres total. Mm-hmm. But if you look at a map, I mean like Atlanta's not flat. There's tons of creek bottoms, rolling hills, and there's just pockets of woods like all over the place so these deer will they'll stay they'll hold up in this little 15 acre block and then follow a creek or follow a river to another block and just constantly bounce around so the range the range is really like several miles well that's Um, what i was gonna ask i was gonna ask if they if they really move like how hard is it to actually pattern them because i would imagine with small blocks like that they're moving quite a bit from little block to block to block i think one of the biggest misconceptions and y'all were like part of this podcast is going to be talking about like, you know, misconceptions and things like that for people that don't really have never suburban hunted before. Like one of the biggest things is that people think, Oh, they're trapped in a city. You got five acres of woods and you got permission there. 
if a buck is in there, that's just where he lives. He doesn't go anywhere else. You're hunting that five acres, that buck lives there and it's, and it's easy. And it's like, that could not be further from the case because these deer travel like miles in a night. I actually had, uh, the same buck I was hunting probably five years ago. He's actually on the wall up here. Uh, he's 177 inches and I had a trail cam at point A and point B and they were seven miles apart and he showed up on the same camera or, or both cameras in the same night. So he went seven miles in one night in November. Uh, that just kind of shows you like how big their range is. I mean, sometimes, you know, when we get a spot, that's just like a breadcrumb, you know, we may get pictures of a deer there, but he doesn't live there. And so part of our program that has made us, we've kind of evolved over the years of the, uh, and something we've really figured out in the last three years, because this thing has really taken off in the last three or four years of what we've been able to kill. And that's like, we used to hunt one spot. If we got a picture of a deer at one spot, we would just hunt it like crazy. Mm-hmm. And maybe it happened there, but most of the time it didn't. And it's because you're only getting like a breadcrumb of that deer's range when he's traveling this massive, massive area. And so in the last you know four years, we have gotten multiple, multiple, sometimes up to like 20, 25 spots. The the 204 I just killed this year, I had like 25 spots for this one deer. I'll, yeah, I'll actually, I have him right here. Um, nice. And so I had like 24 spots for this one buck and had cameras on pretty much all of them and was really putting the pieces of the puzzle together on like where this deer traveled, mm-hmm. where was his core area, where were his kind of outskirts areas. And it's like, you know, being able to put all of those breadcrumbs together can really give you like the pieces of the puzzle to figuring out a buck like that and give you the best chance of, of taking a deer like that. So they travel miles. And I mean, I had probably two square miles covered for this deer with those 25 spots. And you have to do that because you know, if you got one spot and the deer shown up and all of a sudden it's like, poof, he's gone and he's, um, you know, two miles away, you're not going to kill that deer at that spot, especially if it's, you know, October, November, and these deer are have completely relocated their rut areas. Like you're out of the game at that point, you've got to follow these deer around and keep, keep tabs on, keep tracking them and tracking them, tracking them. And it's also a constant fight against the clock because there yeah. are so many other hunters out there doing not doing the same thing because most guys aren't going out and getting 20 spots for a deer. No, I don't think anybody is. But there's, really. there's hunters that are, they maybe they live there or they have a friend that, you know, owns the house and they're hunting that one spot. And there's enough of those people out there to where when that buck starts roaming, there's a really good chance he's walked in front of a handful of other trail camps I had, for hunters. I had eight other people send us messages on social media after I killed that deer of their own trail cam pictures of them saying, oh, you know, I was hunting this deer. And kind of hearing their stories, like eight different people mm. that were also hunting that buck. So it's, it's, uh, you and know, you it's, say 20 it's, to 25 uh, spots. You're talking like, like uh, an acre. Uh, what are you talking like size of these spots? It's small stuff, right? Sometimes half an acre. Uh, sometimes, you know, smaller than that. Sometimes it's five acres. Like I had a, I think the biggest spot I had for this deer was 20 acres and the smallest was a half acre and kind of anywhere in between. Yeah. That's, uh, that's the impressive part. Really. I mean, you're really putting the boots on the ground to get access to that many places. That's yeah. not easy to do. And no, another part of that, the challenge there is like, you can't put the boots on the ground until you have permission to be there. Yeah. So it's not, mm-hmm. you, you can't just go walking down this, you know, Creek and like, Oh, this, this spot looks good. I'll go knock on that door. That door. It's looking at Onyx maps, 
uh, just driving around, kind of peering back behind houses and stuff, and just getting permission to go back there and and check it out. So, I mean, there's for every spot that we actually end up do hunting, we have five countless, or ten countless, that we just we go back there, put put a camera out like one time, and then just never even go back because it's not worth hunting. Mm-hmm. So, it, it's for just to say yes is like that's the whole deal. So for, I mean, we've gotten better over the years of like perfecting our craft of being able to get access to these places. Mm-hmm. But like, if that person says, no, you're out of the game, like you can't put a camera there. You can't find out what's in the area. And so like, that is something that is taking us a long time to develop. Um, but it's like being able to get access to these places, you have to win the homeowner first. And if you don't like, Sorry. And, and some of the bucks we've killed have, have come from places that have been knocked on and asked for years. Like you, all of multiple most people. of the bucks that you killed are <laughs> yeah. places that I got denied from <laughs> years prior. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, if you can't win over that homeowner to say yes, that's the difference sometimes in killing a buck of a lifetime or just like, sorry, move on down the road, find something else. Do you ever scaffold into that relationship saying, Hey, is it okay if I put a camera back here, but not hunt or, Hey, can I recover a deer, but I'm not looking to hunt and then kind of work your way from there. For sure. Any, any, any foot in the door to kind of start that relationship is, is huge. I mean, sometimes they're like, dude, yeah, have at it, kill them all. But sometimes they're like really on the fence about it. Uh, sometimes it's a hard no and you go back and revisit enough that like sometimes these homeowners will realize how much it means to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've seen you a couple times now, so they're comfortable. They've got to know you a little more. And so sometimes, you know, it is a year, you know, a few years long process to actually get access to, you know, a homeowner to say yes. So when you knock on these doors, you're coming up, are you dressed as a hunter or are you dressed as a suburban you know guy there's blood on your sleeves bow over the shoulder i know you guys got recipe for this so i'm just curious like what's the best success is it a clean cut guy that's res- obviously respectful and all that or are you being real and go you know it's like hey i'm i would love to have access but i'm you know you dressed in camo or mm-hmm. something i wouldn't think it would be that way but <laughs> we we've kind of developed our own uh kind of things we do like i i kind of do things that i've learned drew's kind of done things he learns you like to dress up kind of nice don't you i, I used to do that i used to wear like a one of those like button-up fishing shirts or something just to look more presentable but now to, to me it's more just what you say and how you present yourself um i mean obviously how fast look like a hobo yeah like yeah. you want to you want to look decently nice at least yeah. De- definitely don't be wearing camo uh, probably don't be wearing wearing a hunting shirt. I mean, we wear the seek one shirts all the time, but um, it's more about how quickly you can evoke trust from the home, homeowner with what you say within the first thirty seconds. I, and because I would long- think ultimately right away they got a they got a you know an invisible force field up that's yeah. like all right you know I'm I'm not interested in whatever you anybody ever comes to my door I'm not interested especially <laughs> so me that that's got to be tough I mean that's a that's a tough hurdle to to jump over right out of the gate. It amazes me people actually answer say, their door and say and yes. Say, yeah. it, it amazes me. Yeah. We joke about that all the time. It's like if someone knocked on our door. And ask if they could help me. We'd be like, "Hey, no." It'd be a hard no. no. Yeah. Hard pass. Yeah. 
Like I said, I don't um, care what they're selling. It's hard. I wear a tuxedo when I go knock on doors. <laughs> you better be sending like a Boy Scout or you know a kid at yeah, yeah. my door to, yeah. for me to really care about what. <laughs> it, it's weird. I mean, uh, personal phone calls anymore are kind of an intrusion, and definitely knocking on someone's door yeah. feels like that's an why everybody's got those ring doorbells. They they look at it like I don't know, yeah. I'm not answering it. <laughs> but so I, I avoid ring doorbells like the plague because if you ring that doorbell, it's an easy out for them to just be like, "Sorry, not interested." click. Yeah. If you can actually get that person to open the door and get a face-to-face interaction, your odds of getting that spot go way up. So I literally never, ever push an eye ring. I always knock on the door. Yeah. And, and you guys are kind of bringing up a, an interesting point indirectly, but, uh, but you talk about like when people say, heck yeah, kill them all. Some of the, the suburban properties I've gotten access to were people that would just wish they could have a garden. Or they yeah, could have yeah. some landscaping in their yard, <laughs> and and the, the deer densities are just too high. They yeah. literally want them gone. This sounds like my farmer, but he wants them all gone for a different reason. Sure, no doubt. <laughs> I sent him a picture of the deer I killed. He's like, "Cool, how many Kill more? Twenty more? Take? Yeah, yeah." Because <laughs> because because they have management. They have management yeah. goals too. And so like probably having that conversation, you know, are you okay with me taking a couple of those or, you know, just, just understanding what the homeowner wants also. So you can achieve some of their goals. Cause there's certainly some, I would assume that are like, Oh heck no, there are pets. You know, there's, I would imagine a, a lot of people that are like, no, yeah. we like seeing them back here. We like, you know, putting, you know, corn out or whatever the case may be. That's kind of the thing is like, the vast majority of the time a homeowner is going to have an objection. Yeah. It's not always the same objection, but like you've got to be on your toes of kind of what road to go down to how to address each objection, whether it's, we see them as pets. We love seeing the deer. Then I'll kind of tackle that and go down that direction. Or if they're kind of like, you're going to shoot my dog or my kids. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's it, whatever their objection is, you got to find out what it is and then kind of tackle that and alleviate that concern no matter what it is. But there's always, some kind of objection more oftentimes than not. And you've got to be ready to be able to answer that at a, at a moment's notice yeah. or else like you're done. You stutter. They know you're not comfortable. This yeah. is something you're not used to. Like it's over. And that's where experience comes into play. Cause the For first, sure. I mean the first 10 years that we were doing this, we would knock on a hundred doors and get maybe one or two spots because yeah. they would say no. And they bring up these concerns and we wouldn't know how to address it properly. But now it's like, we're expecting them to say no at first and we just have to figure out why that, why they're saying no and why they're against it. And then you just address each of those issues. And once you sit there for five, 10 minutes, you know, showing them that, you know what you're talking about, you know what you're doing, you've been doing this for a while. They feel way more comfortable. And that's what, I mean, that's why Lee's been able to get access to so many incredible spots and kill these giant bugs. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, well, it's definitely an acquired skill, but it's also kind of like, a skill that you lose if you don't sharpen it constantly. Like I like kind of coming, you know, we typically, I mean, we're knocking on doors year round, but there are definitely times, whether it's spring when we're fishing or whatever, where I'm not knocking on doors for a couple months and like getting started, getting the wheels turning again is sometimes pretty difficult. So it's like, if you keep, just keep the wheels turning, like you get better and better and better. And when you stop and you get stale, like you've got to sharpen it up again. And so I actually was knocking on doors yesterday and it's, it's, I've kind of been taking the season, uh, a, a little, I don't know if you want to call it easy, but I've just, it's been a different That's season for me. You kill a 200 in September. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take a it's little been a different season for me. So I've kind of just enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, yesterday I, I was knocking on tons of doors and I was like, man, I gotta, 
resharpen my skills. And by the end of the day, I was, I was just, you know, really firing on all cylinders and kind of sort salesman, right? Exactly. And, you know, you're selling yourself and you're, you know, what you're wanting to do. You got to be a good salesman. Yeah, for sure. And I'll actually circle back to what you guys said earlier. Like sometimes with the homeowner, is it like a multiple year process? I've been talking and you know what property I'm talking about. It's a husband and wife. The husband like is really on the fence about it, wants to make an educated decision about it. The wife is like crazy, literally crazy. And so I've been knocking on these, these, these people, like I've been literally knocking on their door since high school. So, so, uh, what, 10 years ago yeah. is it, this is a 10 year process now. She's cra- like She's crazy in that she's pro hunting or crazy in that she has a mental disorder. I mean, like, don't even think about hunting. She's just crazy in general. Crazy period. <laughs> <laughs> but she's anti-hunting. Okay. <laughs> so, it's kind of good. So, the, so like, the, uh, like the um, husband is like totally cool with it or not totally cool with it. He wants to make an educated decision. Yeah. The wife is like really against it. And so I knocked on their door yesterday and um, knocked on the door. I was like, hey, is your crap, husband home? Guy. I always try to talk to the husband. And she was like, you, you know, just kind of went on a little rant. And was like, she ended up about calling the cops on me. And I'm just being like very nice. It wasn't like I was, you know, pressed or anything like that. I basically said, is your husband home? And she was like, no, why? And I was like, well, I wanted to talk to him about the deer again. And I was like, do you know when he'll be home? And she's like, no, you better leave before I call the cops. I was like, so like, can I come back in a week when he's home and, and revisit with him? <laughs> to me, that would sound and like she, a no. <laughs> she slammed the door and was like, I'm calling the cops. So obviously I left, but I'm literally going to bring them a honey baked ham for Christmas. Because I'm not done with them yet. I this like place, too much. <laughs> so. Persistence pays off, man. Yeah, no kidding. You <laughs> got to win her over. <laughs> I bet she's we, a cat. Back to the uh, the original question on, on how we. Yeah, started. we went off on a tangent there. No, yeah, that's okay. So let's. So I think we got how you started. Fast forward a little bit to where you started seeing this the real big success and and you know the opportunities that have presented themselves since then. Yeah, well, so we we hunted that first spot for what four or five years, mm-hmm. and we didn't have to go anywhere else because this place was just loaded. Um, and we, honestly, we like we didn't know what else was out there. We we didn't realize that if we went and found another similar area down the road, it'd probably have big bucks too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Lee was the first one to start branching out. And I don't I don't remember which was your next big buck you killed, but the one that really put us on the map was the first one that we ever filmed, and that was Charlie. Um, you can, you can go ahead and tell that. Yeah. So we, we just like crazy stories happen in in the suburbs. It's like, it's just such a different atmosphere than what you're typically getting, you know, on a farm on a thousand acres where there's not interactions with people and things like that. So it's the stories that happen are crazy and they're after like, you know, deer of a lifetime. So, you know, we, I had this deer that I had a multiple year, I call it relationship with, cause I feel like you I'm in a relationship with camera towards it. Yeah, I can, I, I can in a minute. Um, but so he was like the year before I took him, he would have not annihilated the typical state record. I think he was like a net one ninety, uh, which at the time the typical state record was like net one seventy three mm-hmm. uh, with a bow. So he would have like annihilated it and, like it was just the crazy drama of that year. He got sick and shed his, shed his rack, uh, in like December. And so my season was pretty much over. And then leading into the next year, you know, it was like, the story was just aligning to be 
pretty epic. And so Drew, like we really got into the, the Donnie Vincent series of films and Drew in particular was like, dude, I can do this. Like he Drew's really, really, really creative. And so he was like, I want to film this and tell the story because it's worth being told. It's a story worth telling. And so, uh, he pretty much gave up his whole season to just film me in this story for the deer we call Charlie and, um, crazy story. I mean, it all, we got like unbelievable footage of him in the summertime and he's a, I mean, just an absolute freaking giant. And it went down for us, got the kill on camera, everything. And he told the whole story. We launched a trailer that we put on YouTube and it was, I think it was Mossy Oak that first, yeah, it was Mossy Oak that first reached out Those to us. Buddy Matt that knows Mossy yeah. Oak and connected us. Yeah. First reached out to us and, um, they basically Mossy Oak approached us about doing a, was it, it was bi-weekly mm-hmm. uh, uploads of our season in Atlanta. Um, and we basically drew, dove into it head first. I mean, he was pulling all nighters, mm-hmm. you know, trying to film these episodes and put them together for Mossy Oak to put on their channel. And um, it just kind of like, I don't know, it just kind of happened. It just, we didn't even really have a plan. Like, when we were filming the story for Charlie, like we definitely didn't have a plan. Like, this is what we want to do. We want to be in this industry and you know, this is our, our, our starting point and all this stuff. It just kind of like things just kept unfolding and just kept happening and happening and happening. And it's just like crazy to kind of look back on it and and be at the point that we are. And, um, you know, the stories that we've captured on camera have been, uh, you can't make them up. And, uh, so that's kind of how we got our start. And then with, when we were doing those videos with Mossy Oak is when like we got introduced to Nomad and things like that. And so, um, that's kind of the start. I can actually, you want to pull the mount down or you want me to just no, angle the camera? Just I'm going to angle the camera to show Charlie, but that's Charlie. Oh boy. What'd he end up grossing? He's a stud. He grossed 183 as a, uh, really like an eight pointer. Um, but he was, like I said, he was like way bigger the year before as a 10 pointer. Mm. So, 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 okay. You guys, you know, obviously are having success and you have a, a YouTube channel that, you know, you're, you're here at a hundred thousand subscribers. I mean, this is all within a few years, right? So have you seen, a influx in hunters in your areas. I always often wondered this about the guys at the hunting public because they're showing where they're hunting in the public, you know, public land. And so I wondered if it has had a, uh, a big effect on the way that you guys hunt to continue to get access. Cause I'm sure it's, it's opened up a spotlight on, you see monkey do. Yeah. On your areas. And, and then all of a sudden there's a lot more hunters that are thinking they can do it as well. So has, has it changed your experiences, uh, for the the better or the worse? Yeah, for, for sure. And part of the reason we didn't have to move around at that first spot was because I don't think the secret was really out of the bag yet. And there was still a bunch of mature, mature deer running around. Um, we're blamed for kind of letting the secret out of the bag by a lot of people, but honestly, like a lot of the local magazines and forums and stuff, they were already writing and showing pictures of these giant deer that were being killed in Atlanta. We definitely exacerbated the problem. <laughs> or, we didn't help it for sure. Yeah. And it's your question. Yes. It's gotten, the hunting pressure has increased exponentially in the last few years. 
for the last 10 years, really. But there's thousands of hunters. Yeah. Right now. now, like if you drove around right now, um, and if you could just like walk through the woods freely, you would probably find a hunter in almost every single block of woods that looks yeah. huntable right now. Um, and honestly, like a lot of those this time of year during the rut are, they probably aren't allowed to be there. They'll come in, they'll drive in from outside of Atlanta and just, you know, post up and just park on the side of the road or park it like in a shopping center and yeah. think they can just go hunt wherever they want. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely made it way more difficult to find mature deer now because these bucks are getting shot at three years old when they're 140 inches, which is a, a big deer for Georgia, anywhere in Georgia. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't, so, I can't blame a guy that's never killed, yeah. you know, a buck in his life and a, you know, 130, 140 inch deer walks out and he's in front of him. He's got a bow in his hand. The problem is that's a three-year-old deer. I mean, a lot of our 130s, 140s are three years old and it's because the genetics are so stellar here. And those are the bucks that turn into, you know, 170, 180 pluses uh, when they're five, six, seven years old down the road. So, you know, it's, it's definitely making it tougher. And, you know, pe- we've honestly like, people have kind of uh, hated on us a little bit for kind of exposing this secret that have been, you know, hunting this place for a while. Uh, but to us, like it's worth it. And I'll kind of circle back to what I said, like really early in the podcast was like, I didn't grow up with uh, a hunting farm mm-hmm. and my fa- my parents don't hunt. And so like falling, discovering that you could hunt in Atlanta really helped me like find my passion for bow hunting. And if it weren't for suburban hunting in Atlanta, like I would not have found that passion. And it means so much to me. I mean, it's like, you know, I don't know. I don't know who I would be without it, uh, that I can, you know, go in the woods and get still even in the midst of like total chaos. And it got me a kid from the city who didn't come from a family of hunting into hunting and fell in love with hunting. And it's like, I'm not, I don't want to rob that from some other kid that may have that same opportunity. I can't tell you how many guys we've had reach out to us, high school kids or college kids and say, I just got into bow hunting, just saw y'all's videos. I got my first bow or I'm getting my first bow for Christmas. My uh, uncle or, or family friend owns some acreage in their backyard that backs up to a creek. And I'm I'm all into bow hunting now. And I just wanted to thank you guys for that. So it's like, you know, there is a side where we're giving away the secret and there's more people doing it, but we're also exposing a side of hunting to a crowd that may never have even been able to get into the, the, the world of hunting. And so it's like, we're appealing to a whole different crowd as opposed to, you know, people that just kind of grew up around it and things like that. So it's, it's from that perspective, it's a win. And if that little, that next high school kid goes out and falls in love with it and it means as much to him as it means to me, like that's, that's a huge win. And uh, that that's more worth it than, you know, having more competition over a buck. It, it obviously oh. is resonating. I mean, you look at you guys' uploads on YouTube and the views are a couple hundred thousand a piece and, and more. And so it's, it's so unique. I think it's such a, um, it's like a, it's accessible. It's like something people can yeah, do. Yeah. I, I think they can dream to do, to, to do that. To your point, not everybody can to go, you know, travel to the Midwest or have a farm that they grew up yeah. with or whatever the case may be. But can you knock on a door, get permission, you know, the old fashioned way? I think, I think, you know, if you want it enough, I think it, you guys show that you can do it. Yeah, definitely. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said it, it's accessible to everybody. I mean, what you guys do at Drury Outdoor is like managing these big farms for giant deer. That is awesome. 
and something that we, you know we would love to do one day when we can afford it. But the re- reality is most people can't afford to do that or they have a job or they're too busy to be able to do that. And they want to be able to go hunt right down the road after work, sit in the stand from 530 till dark or before work. And the way that we hunt is the most uh, logical way for them to do that. So and I, I just, I feel like we're showing people that you can have the same success as the people that have these big farms. You put in the work. By putting in the work, being persistent and it doesn't cost anything. Like we have literally never paid a dime to lease property, to get permission, to own property. Um, it's all been just knocking on doors and being persistent. So it's, it's accessible to everybody. Yeah. That, that's what I think is so relatable with, with what we're doing is that this is not also just happening in Atlanta. I mean, this is a countrywide thing. We're getting messages from suburban guys in Birmingham, Canada, Canada Australia. Yeah. We gave a bow away in our last, uh, on our social media. And it was like the guy won from Canada. We get messages from like people in Australia that are suburban hunting. It's like, this is a, I mean, I would say countrywide, but it's kind of a worldwide type phenomenon. But, um, you know, and we were talking before we came live with you guys, like, you know, about other cities that have giant deer. And so Mm -hmm. it's just like, it appeals to the whole world of hunting that, you know, this is something that's not out of reach. You can do this when it doesn't matter if you're in Atlanta or if you're in Seattle or, you know, St. Louis or like wherever you are, you can find these places to get in and hunt and access some pretty cool deer. That's right. So, yeah, that's right. Well, guys, thank you so much for uh, for hopping on. Thank you for what you're doing for the bow hunting community in general. Before we leave, I saw. Did you upload your deer to Deercast when you killed it this year? I saw I, it somehow in Deercast. I think I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that thing. I mean, that, that I told Thumper. Tim that I was like, I'm pretty sure that he uploaded his deer to Deercast this year. I think because yeah. I rem- vividly remember it. I go, this deer is freaking awesome. Yeah. That, that, the picture of that deer went everywhere. I mean, it is, it's crazy because people, it's like people just, it's hard for them to believe that these deer are coming from Atlanta of all cities. And so like, it just seems like whenever we kill a giant, like the picture just goes completely viral and it's, it's all over the place, but yeah, we did upload that to, uh, to deer cast. Keep them coming, man. That's awesome. (laughs) We love it. (laughs) So before you go, do you got more plans? I guess last season left in front of you. More plans to go out there and hit, hit it hard. Well, I I tagged out last week for the first time ever in Georgia. Hey, uh, actually killed I killed two bucks from the same stand in 36 hours. Oh, so I'm Georgia. I'm actually headed up to Nashville. Uh, I think this weekend to try to get it done up there. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw that episode, but two was it two years ago? We went up there and basically spent like a whole week knocking on doors, doing the whole Atlanta thing in a new city, trying to show people exactly how we do it from the start. Um, and so I'm, I'm still trying to kill one up there, but there's some least, giants. In yeah. I'm got some the, deer up there too. <laughs> the one I'm on, if I kill him, he'll be the biggest buck I've ever killed, but wow. I, don't, I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be a lot of work. So that, that's kind of our plan is like, we're wanting to branch out from Atlanta go to different cities and things like that. Nashville, you guys have now got me intrigued in St. Louis. So I'll probably be looking <laughs> to fly tomorrow up there. Uh, we've talked about, um, you know, Oklahoma City, uh, different places like that. And so we're wanting to branch out and do this in other places. Um, and it will all be, uh, you know, uploaded on, on our YouTube and social media and stuff like that. So yeah. that's kind of a big plan is to 
keep telling stories and in, in uh, unique places. So where can people find you guys at? Uh, just Seek One Productions on YouTube. Um, it's S E E K O N E Productions, and then also Seek then the number one Productions on Instagram. So Instagram, you know, you get more uh, up to date information. Like if we kill something, we'll post it right away. Sure. YouTube, we usually try to get the videos out within two to three weeks of real time. Um, so we've got I'm, I'm backed up on videos right now, but we have probably five or six. Uh, kill episodes that should be coming up in the next month or so. Good deal. So, wow. Look forward to awesome. seeing them guys. Yeah. We appreciate you jumping on with us and uh, hopefully we could stay in touch. We'd love to have you guys back on. Yeah, for sure. Sounds good. Thanks for having us. All, All right. right. Thanks guys. Good luck. See ya. Yeah. See y'all. We need to work with Muddy on a swing set blind. Swing set blind. Yeah. <laughs> Looks like a swing set. You sit on the backyard and it's kind of like, uh, just sitting in your truck, <laughs> basically waiting. Yeah, pretty much. Only it would be legal. Yes. Well, I didn't say I was doing it. Okay. Hypothetically. Yeah. So the, the cool thing about what those guys are doing and, and, and they, they recognize this, it's making life a little harder for them, but them bringing more kind of awareness to this resource, it's been pretty much untapped to this point yeah. is opening the door for a lot of folks that just wouldn't have been hunting. And we need that. He, you know, he brought up a great point, you know, he, he wasn't a hunter and that's, you know, he got into it and they're obviously getting more kids into it, more adults, whatever. We need every, everybody we can to be joining forces here with us. So yeah. it's, it's a good thing. And I, I, I find it very intriguing. It, it, it sounds like they're really they really got a cool gig going on yeah. over there. And and he's right. You get some crazy stories, honey, in suburbia. I didn't tell you about my brush with Bridezilla yeah. last weekend. My buddy and I is were parked on this kind of this old access road. And the property I was hunting is the old camp I used to run. And a family had rented it out for a, a wedding. And this access road is kind of a big loop. And these people drove past us on the main road. They saw us unpacking. We're going to put some stands up. So we had everything like explode. It looked like a Bass Pro Shop exploded in the back of my truck. Bunch of stuff on the ground. And they went around us on the main road and then got changed and stuff. And the bride was in the vehicle. They come up the service road and they expect they just sit there behind us, probably 50 yards back. And I wave at them like, Hey, see you guys. <laughs> I figured they just wanted to ask us like, how's the hunting or, you know, what's going on? And, uh, eventually she steps out in her white gown and she says, excuse me, but can you boys please move? <laughs> and I was like, we kind of got a lot of stuff here. The, the drive goes all the way back to the main. You just, if you, she just, she could have just turned around and went back out but she was dead set on us moving. And I was like, we got kind of a lot of stuff open up. We'll be gone in probably 15 minutes. You're such a but jerk, Tim. I was kind of feeling bad, but the more she talked, she's like, well, we kind of have a place to be right now. And I was like, okay, so you're going to you're gonna do that. And I was like, well, we can pull off. Just give us a couple minutes. She's like, it needs to be right now. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, and, and I like, I was thinking we should probably like get this. I know <laughs> we should probably get this on on film, but I, I opted not because that kind of amps up the yeah, levels yeah, of yeah. And, and I always feel like I'm an ambassador for all hunters out well, there. You are. I have, so, yeah, we all are. So, uh, so I, I kind of, I acquiesced and I moved the truck over. And as, as I, was, as I said, okay, we'll move our stuff. And I start throwing stuff in the back of the truck, moving it off the road. She turns around. She goes, thank you for allowing me to get married. 
Okay. <laughs> I was so pissed just because she had to throw that little last yeah. barb. And I was like, you're arguing with me because I said, yes, like just take yes for an answer. Be cool about it. And, uh, it's like only in suburbia. Yeah. I, 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 Hey, look, you guys, these guys and, and you, I can't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't deal with it. Cause I, I get, I get pretty annoyed just with dealing with neighbors and you know, things that you can't control. And it's not like I'm hunting a giant farm there on the lease. No, but the population density is yeah totally so different. I couldn't, I couldn't imagine it's, um, you know, when we're trying to do this and you're trying to film and, and, you know, produce basically this is our job, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it adds a different level to it, but, uh, I, I major props to you guys, you know, these folks <laughs> and you. I couldn't do it. I couldn't that, handle it. That same night, my buddy Jace, he was running camera, a small buck walked in front of us. He had limited time. He still had a tag. I was like, you want to shoot him? He's like, yeah, sure. I'll shoot him. And he shot the buck. It dies and it rolls down the, the hill to the Creek that's right next to the road. And about a half hour later, a kid on a mountain bike, he's a kid, he's probably in his, in his, in his twenties comes riding down the road. And I see him slow down because this deer has a nocturnal sticking out oh, of it. Great. And it's a strobing nocturnal. Perfect. <laughs> he slows down. And I'm like, Oh no. Cause we're still hunting. It, it's yeah. like the last light. It's perfect. It's, yeah. it's the sweet spot. He turns his, he, does a circle on his bike on the road and I could see him looking down in the creek what and the hell he, is that? he stops and he just, it, it's, it's, you know, it's getting dark. It's quiet. The woods are peaceful. He just goes, Oh, <laughs> that's, that's it. Huh? <laughs> and I whistle and just like, Hey, someone's up here. And he, he shouts, I found your deer. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> it's like, we see it strobing it, over here. It wasn't lost. <laughs> we're still hunting. Please move along. Well, you're not anymore. <laughs> yeah. We're, 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 we're literally, we're, we, we had to be done at that point. I, I know this isn't a, a suburban hunting story, but this, you're going to kick out of this. So I'm driving. We had a, uh, a birthday party to go to on Saturday night. We killed, so I, Killed splits Friday. Yep, yep. We recover them Saturday. We do all the stuff. I had to hightail it about two hours south Ugh, to get to this 40th birthday grind. party. So the next day, I got. The, I haven't seen the kids in a while, and so I I got the kids. I'm driving back because they were staying. We were staying at Randa's mom's house. Sure, we're driving back, and I'm driving up the road. I see something in the median on Interstate 55. I'm like, uh -huh. what in the world? There's two kids. I'm telling you, they couldn't have been teenagers. I'm talking like. 10, 11 years old, mm -hmm. sawing a head <laughs> off of a dead deer. Welcome to Missouri. Uh, like a spike. And they just yes. sawed it off. They're running with the head and a, and a saw. These two kids, they're running back to a Cadillac. I, I couldn't wow. believe what I was seeing. I thought the- Hillbilly's got money too. Like, well- Look, look, this, they had to be, I don't know. I thought this is some suburban kid that, whose parents are allowing them to saw the head off of this deer. Yep, I don't know. Yeah, that's, it was crazy. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. I go, what? In the, and the kid's like, what, dad? What? I couldn't even tell him. What. I was like, nothing, man. get it out. Of course, Cameron says, you getting pulled over again? Like, no, I'm not. This is for a legitimate reason. It's weird. Like I, I was running to my folks' house one day and they live in kind of a suburban rural area and uh, they live about five miles away from me. The roads were shut down because ice and stuff. And so I was like, oh, I'll run up to my, like literally run up to my mom. There is someone left a dead, uh, a deer head in the ditch. But they took the body. <laughs> the, the body was gone. That's a new one. I've <laughs> never seen that. <laughs> Jefferson County, Missouri. You That's just, good meat there, son. <laughs> what are people doing? I don't know. 
Let's let's get to the let's talk about some legitimate deer hunting. Well, news. let's uh, let's wrap this one up and we'll start a whole nother one for two podcasts. Yeah, we, we don't do it's it. A super enough. tease. Yeah, that's right. So okay, so so up. stay tuned next week, everyone. The the tuned in. Thank you for doing so. Thank you to the guys from Seek One. Uh, if you want to ask a question that we may or may not <laughs> use on the show, go to juryoutdoors.com slash podcast and uh, click the send voicemail button and uh, leave us your name, your location, and a brief question. And we'll do our best to answer that. Definitely go check those guys' YouTube channel out. It's pretty impressive. It's awesome. You don't see that. You just don't see that kind of stuff every day. It's it's just, it's stupid. Yeah. The size of the deer is, is ridiculous. Yeah, so... Pretty compelling stuff. So be sure to check out Sequin Productions on YouTube. Yep. And uh, until next time, safe hunting. We appreciate everything. Peace out.